Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. Good morning. Hey, we're glad that you're here, or we're glad that you're online. However you're choosing to spend part of your Sunday with us, we never take that for granted, so thanks for doing that. And uh, you know, if you are here, it is awesome that we opened our G-Kids ministry today, kind of fully reopened that. We've been in a phase one reopening for the last several weeks for our G-Team, our volunteer families, so that their parents could serve, and so their kids have been able to be in our environments, help us to kind of ramp back up to really serve all the families of our church uh, beginning today, and so we're thankful for that. I'm thankful to Pastor Aaron and his team. There's just a, a really exciting day for us as we continue to move towards uh, what God is calling us to in this new season of ministry. And if you're watching online today, but you just weren't sure when we were opening kids and you're ready to bring your family back to church, uh, but you didn't want to corral them in this space, uh, come on, we're ready for you. And we can't wait for you to be back and for your kids to be back with us at G Kids. Uh, but man, it is crazy that today is October. Uh, I know it's been October for a few days, but as we think about this being the first Sunday of October, like that's a crazy thought to me. And, uh, you know, we're kind of moving into this, or we're in this last quarter of the year, the calendar year. I heard somebody say uh, this last week, they were saying, you know, like, hey, we're moving into the last quarter and it feels like we're down a few touchdowns. Like it feels like we're getting beat pretty bad and the time's running out. And, you know, we're we're kind of starting maybe on our own end zone. We got to go all the way to the other side to really finish well, but thank God we're playing the Falcons. Um, not everybody will get that, but uh, all the Falcon fans, we are lamenting together. And uh, so, no, hey, it's going to be a great end of this year. And I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, I really believe God wants to help us to finish this year well. And so I encourage you just to kind of focus on that and really focus our minds and our hearts and our attention into what God would have for us in this last quarter of 2020. And uh, you heard Pastor Trevor just a few minutes ago, but one of the ways we're going to do that is next Sunday as we dedicate this space uh, back to the Lord. Uh, You know, we've been open now for a couple months, even two months or so, but uh, really for us just to set some time aside to say, God, thank you for your uh, grace towards us and your goodness towards us, but also to thank you for your faithfulness and giving and serving and just attending and being a part of what God's doing here at Generations Church. So we want to take that time next Sunday to do so. And so I encourage you to be here. If you're watching online, but you can be here, come and join us. If not, join us online. It's going to be a really great day. Uh, I'm thankful my pastor will be here to speak. It's going to be a really, really special, special day. Uh, today, we are concluding what has been an awesome four-week series. And I don't say awesome as some kind of like self-pat on the back here, like I've done something good, but I really believe the Lord has helped us over these few weeks uh, to really just see some incredible truths from God's word. Uh, and, and what I've said about preaching is that from the time I say it, uh, I believe the Holy Spirit kind of uses it to get it into your ears in the way that you need to hear it. So again, it has nothing to do with me other than just trying to listen to what God is speaking to us as a church body, church family, from his word. And, uh, and we really looked to, to do this series last fall when we were planning, and little did we know what all of this year would hold, but we still felt like a few months ago as we were planning for the rest of this fall that this was the right series for this time. And so I'm just thankful for that. If you've missed any of these weeks, I encourage you to go back to our podca- audio podcast or go to the YouTube channel to watch those video messages, but just allow the Lord to speak into your heart because here's what we said about heart, smarts, guts, and luck. This is really the way that we believe God accomplishes his plans in your life, in my life. We believe beyond any shadow of a doubt that God has a plan for your life. We've been saying it all series long. We will continue to say it even beyond the time that we're done with this content specifically, but we believe that God has a plan for your life. Whether you know what that plan looks like or you only get a glimpse of that plan or you think you left that plan a long time ago, if you're young or old or somewhere in between, we believe that God has a plan for you. 
And what we said about that plan is that when we go to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, we see this truth. This is one of my dad's favorite verses of scripture. He impressed this upon me and my brother, and so we've quoted it so many times in our lives. But Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not in your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. We believe that God directs our paths. And so this, this verse of scripture, these two verses of scripture for us, they really kind of line up with heart, smarts, guts, and luck. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in all of your smarts that you have, but in all of your ways with the guts to obey, acknowledge him. And we believe through luck and sovereignty and the providence of God, which we're going to talk about today, that God is directing our paths in life. And so the first week we talked about heart, we said you got to give your whole heart to God and he uses the passions of your heart to accomplish his plans. The second week we said that there's a difference in wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge is knowing something, wisdom is applying that something. And then last week we talked about the guts to say no and the guts to say yes and the guts to raise your hand and say, God, pick me for what you're doing in the earth. And so today we want to look at this idea of luck. Now maybe when you hear that you go, man, this has no place in church. What are we talking about luck for? Well, when I'm talking about luck, I'm defining it this way, a force that brings good fortune or adversity. The second way you might define it is the events or circumstances that operate for or against an individual. This idea of luck is something that maybe you've referred to as that person's got good luck, all I have is bad luck, right? I hope I'm lucky in life or lucky in love. And so we start talking about luck in a lot of different contexts Well, in my life, while I would readily admit that I have been blessed and I have a lot of great experiences throughout my life and so many things that I can be thankful for, in our family, we also have what we describe as Isaac's luck. And maybe you have something similar. Let me just describe it a little bit for you. Maybe you can relate to this. In Isaac's luck, here's what it means. Without fail, if I am in the grocery store, I come up after I've gotten my items. Corey's texted me, hey, when you're on your way home from work, you know, stop by and grab these things. And I am a very efficient shopper. I don't, you know, I can get stuff in a hurry. So then I come up to the cash registers and I do that like mental math, like who looks like they got a bunch of stuff, which cashier looks like they're really fast. Because you know, when, when it's after hours, they do competitions to see who can scan the stuff the fastest. Did you know that? They don't really do that. I was just kidding. But I can tell who's fast. And so as I'm walking up to the cash register, I'm looking to see like who's got the most stuff, who's fast and I get in that line and almost without fail, do you know what happens almost every single time? They've got to change the receipt paper on the register that I chose. And my guy has never been changed in how to do the receipt paper. And so he's, Stephanie, can you come to cash register three? Stephanie, cash, like they've got to bring somebody. And now I'm looking around. I'm like, that guy was behind me, man. Now he's done first. And so Isaac's luck, it's slow. When I get into traffic, which I hate traffic, I would rather, I got an amen over here, I would rather be moving even in the opposite direction than sitting still. That's just my personal deal. So when I'm coming up to traffic, I am surveying the lanes and I'm like, okay, that lane looks like it's faster. And I get in behind a guy who's all of a sudden got to stop and change his oil on the interstate right there. That's Isaac's luck because that's the lane that I chose. I'll give you a couple of other, uh, other examples. I love to talk about food because I love food in general. And so there's a few restaurants that I really enjoy going to. I'll give you one of those. One is Arby's. And some of you are like, that is disgusting. Well, listen, they have the meats and I love the meats. And so Arby's is one of my favorites. So when I pulled up to Arby's a, a while back, I said, hey, I, I want this you know, combo, whatever, with, with, with curly fries. They're like, we don't have curly fries. <laughs> what? 
you don't have, cur- then you need to close. You need to shut down until someone can make some curly fries back there. Like, what is your deal? And so that's just, we call that Isaac's luck. I went to another place. I went to Krispy Kreme. I've been more than once, okay? I've been a few times in my life. It's not important how many. And I pulled up. I said, hey, I'll, I'll take a dozen glazed for the car and a dozen glazed for the house. No, no, no I didn't say that. But I, I said, hey, I'll take a dozen glazed. They said, we're out of glazed donuts. What? We call that Isaac's luck. It's like, how could you stay open without, I could, you're going to need to do something or call somebody because I can taste them in my mouth right now. Like you got to fix, that's Isaac's luck. I'll talk about one more real quick. So there is a local establishment here in our community that is a part of a national chain. And over the last few months, they have tried to pit themselves against the, the chicken that Jesus blessed. Okay. And they have tried to tell us that they have better chicken than that which God has shown his favor on, okay? And so they told us like earlier this year that they had a better chicken sandwich than Chick-fil-A. And I'm not going to call them by name, but Popeye's is right down the road from here. And so my son, Cooper, loves Popeye's. And so he will say, hey, dad, can we get Popeye's? Can we get Popeye's? And so we'll go to Popeye's. And honestly, on several occasions, we'll pull through and I'll be like, hey, we'll take two chicken sandwiches. And they're like, we're out of chicken sandwiches then y'all need to stop advertising, is what I'm saying. Like, Chick-fil-A never has this problem, and everyone in our county eats there three times a day. Like, what, where are you, what is the deal? So there, the other day, we pulled in there again. I don't know why I'm still vamping on this, but I'm hungry, I guess. So um, the other day, we pulled in there, and I was like, hey, I'll take this combo for my wife. And you know what? As a side, let's do corn on the cob. You are advertising on the screen that you sell corn on the cob. My wife loves corn on the cob. I'll do corn on the cob. And the guy was like, okay, that's great. You know what? I'm actually talking, the corporate just told us that we can no longer sell corn. You're talking to corporate right now while you're taking my order? Somebody needs to scratch that off the menu. That's Isaac's luck, right? Can you go to Ingles and get me some corn on the cob and come back and cook it and give it to me so I can give it to my wife? But like, that's what we call Isaac's luck. It's just, it seems like there's this force there's just these things sometimes that are working against us when I'm really tasting glazed donuts and they're just out of glazed donuts. And I don't understand why I have to drive all the way to downtown Atlanta to get glazed donuts now, but I'm going to do it because I'm already tasting. That's Isaac's luck. Maybe you have something similar. Maybe you feel like you've got good luck. Maybe you feel like you've got bad luck. Maybe you feel like you have no luck at all. It's just luck. It's just chance. It's just coincidence. It's just this this thing that's happening. Well, it's not just something that we talk about in our culture. There is this idea kind of woven throughout scripture in a couple of different places. One of those examples is in Ruth chapter two, verse three. It says this. So Ruth went out and she gleaned the field behind the reapers. And it just so happened to be the field of Boaz who was from Elimelech's family. Now, earlier this year in March, we did a series on the book of Ruth called Redeemed. And so we, we, we walked all the way through this book. But just in summary, you have two women. You have Naomi and Ruth, and they are both widowed. Their husbands have passed away. And they have traveled from Ruth's homeland back to Naomi's homeland. And these women in that culture would not have been able to provide for themselves. They would not have been able to have jobs and get the food that they need and all these kind of things. And so one day, Naomi says to Ruth, hey, go find us some food. Just go find a field where you can find something for us to eat. And it just so happened that on that day, she showed up at the field of Boaz, who was a distant relative of Naomi's family, of Elimelech. And he's exactly the guy that they needed to come in contact with. He's exactly the guy that they needed to be what scripture calls their kinsman redeemer. 
It just so happened, just by chance. Well, here's the question. We're gonna ask this question a couple of different times today. Was it luck or was it God? Like it just so happened that they showed up at the field of Boaz. Was that luck or was that God? And when I think about that story, I recognize that there are other places that it's just, it just seems like it's coincidence. It's just chance. I ran across this quote this week from Albert Einstein. He said this. He said, coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. Coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. When we think, oh, it's just by chance. It's just by luck. It's just by coincidence. It could be that in that moment, it's actually God orchestrating, directing our paths, leading us into the places that he would have for us. And he just doesn't put his name on it. He just doesn't stamp his name there. And we go, oh, that's just, that's just coincidence. That's just something that's unexplainable. And maybe it's not. What we have determined in this series is that God has a plan for your life and for my life. And all of these seemingly coincidental things, these moments of chance, these it just so happened kinds of things that just so happen in our lives are actually seeds in the hands of God planted to bring about his plan in our life. I'll give you another example. We talked about this guy just a few weeks ago. This was Joseph. And Joseph was, uh, in the Old Testament, he was in the book of Genesis from chapter 38 all the way to chapter 50. Joseph had a dream at 17 years old, and he told his family, I have this dream that the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars are gonna bow down to me, meaning my mom, my dad, and my 11 brothers are going to bow down, they're gonna serve me. And they reacted much the same way you would react if your sibling or child said you're gonna serve me. They hated him for it. And so now what happens is his brothers decide, we hate you, we wanna kill you. Thankfully, he had one brother out of 11 who decided, let's don't kill him, we get nothing out of that, let's sell him, right? And so they decide to sell him to a bunch of gypsies that are moving from one country to another. So they sell him, they go and lie and tell his father that he's died. And so he ends up in another country and it just so happens that he is sold to a man named Potiphar. Potiphar has great wealth. Potiphar recognizes the favor of God, the blessing of God on his life. And so he's elevated to power in that house. No one has more authority in that house except Potiphar. And he has, every, he has access to everything except Potiphar and Potiphar's wife. And yet Potiphar's wife sees him, recognizes that she desires him. She approaches him. He says no. He has the guts to say no, which we talked about. But she tells her husband and Potiphar could have killed him. No questions asked. Nobody would have thought a thing about it. He could have killed him just because his slave had made any kind of pass at his wife. But instead, it just so happened that he threw him in prison. He gets to prison and the jailer recognizes the favor of God, the blessing of God is on Joseph's life. There's something special about him. And so he elevates him in power. There's no one more powerful in the jail other than the jailer himself. He's the guy in Shawshank Redemption that's pushing the, the book cart, you know, handing stuff out and like helping provide the needs for all of the other guys in jail. Well, it just so happens that two guys that work for Pharaoh are imprisoned. Pharaoh throws them into prison and they end up both having a dream and they realize that Joseph can tell dreams, what dreams mean. And so he tells them, one of you will be elevated back to your original job with Pharaoh. The other of you, hey, I hate to tell you this, you're going to die. It just so happens both of those things come true. And as the guy is going back to work for Pharaoh, Joseph says to him, hey, don't forget about me. I'm here through no fault of my own. Like, if you could just please remember me, like, just remember me. Well, it just so happened that guy did not remember him. For three years, he forgets about him until one night, Pharaoh has a dream. And Pharaoh is telling this dream to every wise person and 
every person that supposedly can tell him what the dreams mean. And that guy remembers, oh yeah, there's a guy in your jail who tells you what dreams mean. They call for him. He comes and he tells Pharaoh, hey, you're, you're dreaming about fat cows and skinny cows and fat grain and skinny grain. It means you're going to have a season of plenty and then a season of famine. And you need to store up in plenty so you can make money in the famine and provide for the people. And he says, hey, you're the guy that I need for this. I'm going to raise you up to be the second most powerful man in all of Egypt. And it just so happened that after the season of plenty, during the season of famine, that his family in another country gets hungry but hears that Pharaoh's got food and they travel and they walk into a room not recognizing that this is the brother they sold into slavery all of those years before and they bow down before him and the fulfillment of that dream 20 years later. It just so happened. Was it luck or was it God? Was it luck or was it God that brought that dream to pass? I'll tell you one more story. There's a guy in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul. His name used to be Saul. He was persecuting Christians. He's persecuting Christians until one day he's on the road to Damascus and a bright light shines and a voice from heaven calls out to him. He responds, he goes blind. He submits himself to the disciples who at that point had to be afraid that this was all a trick to try to kill them because he was on the hunt to kill guys like them. They take him in. They begin the process of helping him understand what God may be doing. He goes out, he begins to work to establish that first century church and, and plant the church in all of these different cities and communities. And much of the New Testament letters that we have come from the Apostle Paul as he's establishing these churches and writing letters to those churches that have been or are being established. Well, then eventually he's arrested. He's arrested a couple times, but he's eventually arrested and he has to stand before all of these government officials and defend himself. He defends himself before Festus and he defends himself before Felix and he defends himself before King Agrippa and he defends himself to eventually to get to the place where he says, hey, I'm a Roman citizen. I would like to actually defend myself to Caesar. And so they say, okay, well, okay, we got to put you on a boat and we've got to send you to Rome, but it's, it's almost winter. And so this is what we read in Acts chapter 27, beginning in verse 13. We're going to skip a couple verses, but I'll tell you where we're headed each time. Verse 13 says this, when a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and they sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island and the ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. And so we gave way to it and were driven along. Verse 27, on the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea when about midnight, the sailors sensed that we were approaching land. Verse 41, but the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow struck, the, uh, struck first and fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. By chance, they were driven by the winds. By coincidence, they ran aground. Was it luck or was it God? They ended up on this island of Malta, Paul's helping to start a fire and he reaches out and a snake grabs him and bites him. They assume, hey, this guy's a murderer because God's not gonna let him run aground and be saved, but eventually he's gonna be killed, but he survives. They're taken then to the official of that island and he gives them all the resources they would need to get the boat going again or get a new boat so that they can eventually make their way to Rome and Paul can appeal to Caesar and then we can see the church really begin to spread in that season of history. Was it luck? Or was it God shipwrecked on this journey that was taking way longer than you would ever think that it would take? You can call it whatever you want. Luck, chance, coincidence, 
Just whatever happens, happens in our life. You can call it whatever you want to. But it's so easy for me, and I've said this on so many different occasions, it's so easy for me to read the Bible and read these stories and believe that even the bad days, even the negative experiences in their lives is the hand of God, and yet the negative experiences in my life have to be the enemy. They, they have to be a test. They have to be a trial. They have to be temptation. They have to be something that God was trying to shield me from, but I gave into it or something else happened. And what if even those negative experiences are the plans of God for our life today? Nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody wants to admit that maybe there are some of those moments that God is using to bring about his plan in our life. And sometimes it's the enemy and sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's the fallenness of the world. Sometimes it's our own decisions and the consequences of those decisions. And yet God uses all of those moments to redeem for his purposes and his plans in our lives. Our theme verse for this entire series has been Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We've already read it at least once today. This is what it says. Remember, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. In those moments of direction, that directing your paths kind of moment, it doesn't always feel like God. It doesn't always feel like God is at work. Because see, we're constantly focused on God's plan in the present, and we're constantly seeking God's plan for our future, but rarely does God's plan make sense to us in the present or for the future. God's plan usually only makes sense in the past. When I read the entire story, when I listen to the autobiography on Audible and I'm listening to how these different circumstances took place in someone's life historically, and then when I get to the end of the story, I'm like, oh, I see how all of these pieces worked together. It's been said that hindsight is 2020. It's because when we look back, we can see what did not make sense in the moment. One of the most famous verses of scripture is in Romans chapter 8. Verse 28, this is what it says. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. But I want you to take just for a minute out of your mind the context that you have about that verse of scripture, whatever it is. Maybe this is the first time you've heard it. So you're in luck today, right? Maybe you've heard it so many times. You've, you've heard messages and Sunday school lessons and small group discussions and you've read books about it and you've got a coffee mug with it on and it's a Facebook meme and like you've seen it in so many different places but just for a minute, let's all take all of that and lay it aside and think about what's actually being said here. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Stop right there just for a minute, not to eliminate the second half. It's great too, but just for a minute. And we know that in all things, everybody say all. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him. We're thankful that God works in all things for the good. Like, we're, we're so thankful for that. But if we really believe that, it requires us to be thankful for it when we're living through all the things. Like, when I get on the other side of it, I can preach, aren't you so glad, that God works together all things for the good of... When I get on the other side of it, I can preach that. When I get on the other side of it, I can believe that for me and for you. But when I'm in it, I forget. When I'm in it, I don't think about God working all things. I just, I just forget that all the things 
include all the things. When I was in college, I was in a chapel service one night and the president of our university at that time, he's no longer the president, he was, he was speaking and he said, you know, if I were to get in my car tonight and drive from here to Chattanooga, which was about 30 minutes away, he said, I couldn't see from here to Chattanooga. I could only see from my car to the end of my headlights. He said, and so often that's how God reveals his plan to us. He doesn't show you the whole journey. He doesn't show you every twist and turn and every detour and every moment that you would never have chosen for yourself. He doesn't show you all the straight paths and all the crooked paths. He just shows you enough for you to keep moving toward him. You just, you just get in your car and you just, you just drive. You just, you just move. If God showed you the entire trip, I know I would get impatient. I've already told you I hate traffic. If I saw that it was slowing down ahead, I'd be looking for the next off-ramp and maybe that's not the direction that God desires me to go. Maybe he wants me to sit right there in the traffic and be patient and wait and maybe there's protection ahead and maybe there's learning ahead. Maybe there's relationship ahead that if I would slow down, I would see it, but if I stay in a hurry, I would miss it. I'd be looking for a good parking spot where I'm headed 30 minutes away and I'd rear in the car right in front of me because I wasn't paying attention and there'd be calamity and ca you know, catastrophic damage because of my decisions because I was trying to get in a hurry. And so God knows that and he just reveals little pieces of the journey to us along the way. But when I get there, wherever there is, I can look back and I can see how every turn, even if they weren't what I set out to take, got me to where I am now. It doesn't mean I'm still not frustrated in the moment from time to time. But when I get there, I can look back at all of the other circumstances and see how I got here. It's so easy to believe that about these stories. It's so difficult to believe that about these stories. But you can't tell me that when they were living out these stories, that, that shipwrecks felt like the plan of God? No, no, no. Shipwrecks don't feel like the plan of God until you get to Rome and you're reflecting on how you got there. Right? The, the dead husbands and the poverty for Ruth and Naomi, they don't feel like the plans of God until you are Ruth on your wedding night reflecting on how you got to Boaz. Betrayal and slavery and lies and prison and aloneness and being forgotten don't feel like the plans of God for Joseph until he's standing in a room and his brothers are on their knees before him. And he's reminded that it was God's dream to begin with. It took 20 years to get here and prison and lies and betrayal and forgottenness to get here. You think Joseph was sitting in prison two years in thinking, <laughs> thank you God for what you're doing in my life. No, we, we make these guys inhuman. We take away their humanity, these men and these women that are walking through these experiences. I think Joseph was like, what did I do wrong? I, I, don't, I don't know how I got here. I, I, I said no to the woman. I mean, who are you supposed to tell your dreams to other than family? Like, I just, 
The Lord laid the dreams on my heart and I told those guys what the dreams meant. I wasn't condemning the guy to death. I was just telling them what God laid on my, how did I get here? And I don't know that here you always remember. But when you get there, it's amazing how we always look back and go, wow, I didn't, I forgot. I forgot back there what God was doing to get me here. I just forgot. We just, we just want to see the plans of God in full from moment one, from day one. And that's not how God works. He works like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And lean not in your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. If I want God to direct my path, I have to trust him with my whole heart and trust him with all of my smarts and trust him enough to be gutsy to obey and trust that he's directing my path that I'm on right now. And maybe you would say, doesn't that just make us a puppet? Like if you're saying God's got a plan for my life and it's all gonna work out anyway, like doesn't that just mean I'm a puppet? No. I got up this morning and put on the clothes that I chose last night. I picked them out last night. If you don't like them, tough. I picked them out last night and I thought I'd like them. I just like, hey, it's, it's 48 degrees tomorrow morning. I'm gonna go full fall. I'm gonna do it. Now it's 108 degrees outside right now, so I'm gonna sweat, but I just thought I'm, I'm gonna go full fall. I picked these clothes out. I chose them. When I left my house this morning, it was still dark and I drove to the church. I picked which way I went. I've already told you I don't like traffic. There's a couple places on that journey between my house and this church. And if it's gonna stop or I get a red light, I'm going a different way. Even backwards to keep moving, to get here, I chose whether to go straight or to turn. This afternoon, I'm gonna coach third base for a bunch of 11 and 12 year old baseball players. And I get to choose which kid gets the steal sign and which kid gets the bunt sign. I get to choose that. I'm not a puppet. I just get to participate in the plans of God because at the end of this day, I pray that I can lay my head on the pillow and say, God, I trust that today was you at work in me, moving me further and further along the path that you have designed for me. I don't always understand, but God, to the best of my ability, I'm gonna trust you with all of my heart and I'm not gonna always try to make sense of it in my mind and I'm gonna have the guts to obey you and to risk it. And God, I'm just trusting that to the very best of my abilities, I do those things. You're directing my path. You're leading my life. You're guiding me. God, I'm just, I'm just gonna trust. It requires me to live in the present and to believe for the future what will probably only make sense in the past. Live in the present, believe for my future what may only make sense when we look back. And so what do we do? What, like, how, do we, how do we live? We just get up every day and we just trust God to the end of our headlights. God, I'm, I, don't, I don't understand, but I'm trusting you one more day. God, I, I don't know why this ship ran aground. I thought we were headed to Rome. I, I was gonna plead my case to Caesar. I don't know why we had to stop on this island. 
God, I'm just going to trust you. God, I, I don't know why my husband had to die. I don't, I don't know why we don't have food. I, I don't know why, but God, I'm just, I'm going to send Ruth to the fields today. And if it would just so happen that she could come upon the man that she needs to come upon for the plans that you're working, we're just going to trust you today. God, I, I, don't, I don't know how I ended up in prison and I, I don't know why they lied about me and I don't know why people keep forgetting about me. Maybe this will make sense at some point, but God, I'm just gonna trust you today. I'm just gonna trust you today. God, I believe you have a plan for my life and I don't know what that plan fully is, but I'm just going to trust you today. And so here's the question for all of us as we conclude this series. Kind of one closing thought that maybe will hang with you for the rest of your days. If you really believe that God has a plan for your life, what choices would you make today? If you really believed that God had a plan for you, how would it affect the choices that you make? How would it affect the way that you talk to people? How would it affect the relationships that you're in or not? How would it affect the way that you invest your money, spend your money, save your money? How would it affect how you choose where to spend your time and where you choose not to? If you really believe that God has a plan, how would it affect you? It may not make sense in the moment. But when we look back so often, we can say, I get it. I get it. I'm going to ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Even if you're watching online today, if you would just bow your head and close your eyes, unless you're driving a car. If you would say, hey, for me, Jeremy, I know my obvious next step is to trust God with my salvation. I need him to forgive my sins and to lead my life. I am like all humans who have ever lived, someone who has fallen short of the glory of God. And today I need to acknowledge that condition and ask him to lead my life from this moment forward. If that's you, would you just lift your hand if you're in the room? Thank you so much. If you're watching online today, please drop a note there in the comments. Let us know you're making that decision so we can pray for you, follow up with you today. Now, if you would say, Jeremy, for me, if I summed up the whole series, I just need to remember that God has a plan. Sometimes in the dark days and the dark hours and the moments that I can't explain and when I've not been gutsy and I haven't given God my whole life and I'm trying to understand all the pieces, sometimes I just forget. And I just want to remember so that I make choices that keep me moving in the direction God. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You're watching online. Let us know today how you're responding so we can pray for you. God, I love you today, and I thank you so much for moments just like these where we can respond to you, and we believe that you respond to us. I pray now for every person who's responded, both in person and online, maybe those who are listening back at some point in the future they've acknowledged that they need you to be the Lord and Savior of their life. We never take that for granted that they're choosing you in this moment. And so God, thank you for salvation. It's a free gift. Help them to receive that now. 
God, I pray now for every person that lifted their hand to say, I just need to remember that God has a plan for me. I need to give him my whole heart, perhaps. I need to determine my passions, perhaps. I need to lean into wisdom and not so much knowledge and apply what I already know about who God is. I need to be gutsy to say no or to say yes or to just jump in with both feet. Or maybe I just need to recognize that God is at work. God, help us to trust you more than we ever have before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.